girlfriends and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here, founder and head teacher at Alt Marketing School. And guess what? There's not a squirrel with me today. Can you guess her name? Squeak kitty, squeak, squeak kitty. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> never, I am back. <laughs> never goes old enough. I think it always brings me some a little bit of joy. So thank you. I know. I'm a bit nuts sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that's what you need to be honest when we're talking about the fact that we have been, you've been a bit under the weather. I am constantly kind of like readjusting to snow and sun. And it's one of those things you don't realize actually how detrimental that can be until you start doing a lot of recording in your life. (laughs) And then you're like, oh God, let me actually get a sip of water. Everybody must know. One second. You always have to be camera ready. And unfortunately, this weather and (laughs) it's not helping. It's one of those things when we started upping our game, especially as we launched, little little win, by the way, especially as we launched, yay, our Skillshare class last month. I had to do so much more recording than I expected to. I also talked about it a bit in one of our previous episodes. So if you want to listen up, you go and listen to Christine's episode 139 and talk about it as well. I really realized actually that you know, there's so many takes you have to take when you're doing a video. There's so many things you have to think about. There's so many moving parts. So even on top of the podcast, doing something that felt a bit more, I'm going to say professional, not that we don't think we are professional, but kind of made me realize I was like, I really need to be camera ready because that take that I thought was good actually wasn't and I need to re-record. And there is no way that the Fab of Wednesday can feel and look exactly the same as the Fab of Monday. So good luck with that. So I think it was really fun because part of me had the reminder in my head that as long as it's done, that's going to be great. It's a work in progress. And then the, the perfectionist in me, which I know a lot of listeners can resonate with, is like, no, people are going to notice that your baby hair is now further up by one centimeter. And they're going to be like, no, not that baby hair. I caught you, Fab. You're a fraud, you know? Nah, never a fraud. No, I thought, well, you did really good. And I must say people do check out the Skillshare videos because Fab has put a lot of effort into it. And like she said, we've been working on the camera readiness game and setup. And I'm really happy that obviously you've managed to record that. But I I think it's also a trick. You could always try it. So how many times can you change a (laughs) t-shirt within like what looks like one take so people don't realize? It's the one thing like I remember people telling me or like me saying like people obviously saying well they batch content and they literally have a wardrobe of different tops or whatever that they're going to change in between takes because you want to make it in one day you want to make it look like it's taken six and you've tried the reverse where it's taken a few days and you try to make it look like it's taken in one day so it's all about camera magic it's a bit like easter eggs in movies they actually love because you can see it and you kind of realize there's a wink it's like and also to be honest talking about what you just said it reminds me of two things one cartoons or uh, comic books where the person always wears the same clothes and I remember there was at one point in Dial and Dog which most of you wouldn't know dear listener if you're Italian you maybe know what I'm talking about is an Italian comic book all about like, horror which I absolutely loved and my brother owned the whole collection and the funny thing about him is that Dylan or Dylan you will call him but you call it Dylan in Italian Dial and Dog will always wear the same clothes and at some point actually they showed his uh, wardrobe and it was full of the same clothes just to kind of make the point of like we know that you know but going back to what you said 
also this whole kind of idea inspired me then to actually indulge into creating my own merged t-shirts talking about changing t-shirts so I'm like instead of having to obsess about what t-shirt I'm going to put on a bit like Steph is wearing his own sweater today uh her branded sweater very cute uh which if you cannot see because you're not looking at video that is fine it's a really cute sweater but if you watch any of our clips he usually wears it and if you watch any of our clips on um, TikTok or Instagram you also see that right now I'm wearing more of our kind of half branded like marketing rebel or market to hearts kind of uh, t-shirts and it was purely selfish no need to do it I just wanted to because I was like I feel like I need to upgrade my life with uh, ethically made but still very very redundant t-shirts but it made me happy because it's kind of almost my extra uniform for work I kind of set it up and I know what I'm doing and I'm like okay I'm recording I'm just gonna set them up and it kind of puts me in that mentality so it kind of helped me with that a lot yeah, I feel you know you've made it to that next level when you you have your section and your wardrobe, it's like for camera. <laughs> and then you have, you know, your summer wardrobe and winter wardrobe. And it's like, no, recording wardrobe now. Now I'm going to have my camera wardrobe. I love it. Yeah, so that's kind of how I felt a bit. So I was quite chuffed with myself. And one of the interesting things as well. So this this month I was actually thinking a lot about kind of how we think, going back to what we just said. And also like Easter eggs really made me think about it. And I was thinking about some of the tactics that we talked about in our community and in the course library this month. And I was trying to figure out one that I loved. Last time when we did our solo episode in 136, see my brain, it works. Episode 136, we talked about pricing, we talked about discounts, and we had lots of love from you listeners because I know you love a good tactic. And so we're back, obviously bringing back one of the tactics from the course library. And I wanted to actually talk about a psychology driven bias because I don't think I don't think like psychology bias get enough um I want to say a good rep I want to say even enough screen time because it's not as sexy as a pricing hack I guess but I think it's super interesting for us to get back to bias psychology when we're trying to understand why people do what they do so I'm going to ask you a question Steph I want to see what you're going to answer if I ask you this question I'm going to introduce you to something called insight bias and I'm going to ask you, do you ever feel like your past actions or decisions could have turned out differently if you only had know what you know right now? Oh, very good question. Hmm. Probably, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> that is actually a hard question to answer, by the way. So <laughs> fair enough, fair dues. And the reason why I ask this question is because of unsight bias. This is actually what unsight bias is. So if you never heard of unsight bias, it's actually the phenomenon where we basically remember selective events and situation in a way that it helps us creating a narrative. So almost to justify how we think, how we perceive the world or even brands, we remember different events or situations or connections. So actually, a lot of marketers rely on this even without knowing because buyers, so potential customers, rely on these buyers when they're thinking about an outcome of a potential event or when they're thinking about which brand they should go for. For example, I'll give you one example. If something goes wrong with a product or, you know, like something that was really hyped actually doesn't work that well, then there's this kind of, of course, mentality where people will think, oh, they had that product was so overhyped. Of course, you know, things had to go wrong and the bubble had to be burst. Or, you know, you know, Amazon is really smart because, you know, they are trying to really approach people with a very affordable and reliable delivery. I don't know. Of course, they are what everybody uses. So actually, inside bias can be really powerful because we're kind of trying to justify ourselves by looking at these things. Now I'm going to ask you again. 
Can you see yourself doing this and some of the choices that you make, or maybe some of the brands that you use or the products that you use stuff? Yeah, definitely. Because if I say if I buy something from one brand and I have a really good experience, I'm probably going to stay loyal to that one because there's no reason why I would look somewhere else in the same with yeah if something similar happened but on the other side where it wasn't what I expected or you know the service or the packaging or whatever it is kind of I didn't really agree with or it wasn't what I expected then I I would definitely remember that and not want to get it or recommend it or I wouldn't say to someone oh yeah I got this and it wasn't quite right but you can try it I'd rather go no actually I'd looked at something else that's actually a great point and what you said there as well kind of reminds us of why first of all it's not just common sense but also why a lot of us talk about doing market research and really understanding what are some of the positive and negative experiences of customers because insight buyers actually would work a lot also when it comes to looking at testimonials and customer experiences because then by reading what other people have experienced if we do experience the same then we feel reinforced so if somebody else had a bad experience then we feel we're going to have the same and you might be thinking this is all doom and gloom It's like okay so what can i do to get out of this loop any ideas before I share one of the simplest things we can do? Can you guess, Steph, and listener as well? What would be one thing that we can do to kind of tackle insight bias and how our brain works in this mysterious way? The only thing I can think of is go and read more reviews. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great one. Actually, that is not the one, but that is a great one. Thank you for mentioning. We talked about review mining in about three episodes now um, because Kate Borglin first mentioned it in her um, buyer insights and obviously buyer psychology episodes we did together. But then we also broke it down again with John McManus a couple of episodes ago. One second, I can do this. I don't know if anybody has that remembering the number. <laughs> Maybe it was 137. I think it must have been 137. Everybody, this brain is still not old enough. She remembers Anyway, put it down in the comments below before we reveal which one it was. <laughs> it is like dot, dot, dot. <laughs> she still doesn't know. Um, but the reason why I love it is actually because review mining can definitely help. And review mining is where you don't just obviously look at your customer reviews, which is a practice that you should do. And maybe even investigate further. If you ask for a review or testimonial and people give you honest feedback, don't be afraid to actually look at what went wrong or what are some of the things that didn't work. Review mining implies that you actually go and look at other people's reviews from other products and see what are some of the concerns and the objections that these people might have. Because, answering the question, how can we sort out, how can we make sure that inside buyers don't stop people from buying from us? If you are struggling with actually getting people to get away from any potential fear of commitment, especially linked to inside buyers, just make sure that you're clear on the objections that your audience has. And this is where, so there's two pieces here. First of all, make sure that you know what the objections are. And then secondly, answer these objections up front. And we know it instinctively, but I think so many marketers and so many people online were terrified of talking about the negatives because as we know from inside buyers, what would happen is that we don't want to put it into our customers' heads. However, we need our audience to trust us before they commit. So actually, by object, by objecting, by answering objections, that's the one, we are building that credibility and that trust because 
are actually explaining why these things are happening and we reframe them for them before they actually commit. So it's almost kind of like knowing that we know their concerns and we understand what is preventing them from taking the next step. But if there's any issue, we can support them. Can you think of one way? It sounds like I'm literally kind of <laughs> testing step today. But um, can you think of one way, anyone? Well, 50 points. So 50 points. If you can think about one way that you can answer objections up front and or tap into inside buyers when people are looking to buy or commit to a very highly priced service, for example. What would be an example of that? A very practical example. Uh, well, the one I see most often is FAQs that are directly on the website or on the, you know, buying service. I would say if you if on a really high ticket, you could even book like a, con- like not a consultation, but like have a kind of communication way of saying like if you have further questions like obviously we're wide and open to like arrange a call or something that would actually answer those questions maybe love it 50 points 50 points we're 100 points can we reach it to 150 there's another thing that we can do and that is less about answering objections is more about building safety and trust if people are still struggling to take the final step can you think of this final one? We see it a lot, especially when it comes to digital products or even some software, especially higher tickets again. Would it be around sort of like either free returns or payment plans? Money guarantee back or kind of free returns. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because especially for the kind of money back guarantee is something that we talk about a lot. And actually some of our students asked in the certification where the big chat about pricing, which was really cool. And um, I understand why, because a lot of us still don't know how to approach that. And super interestingly, when you're thinking about money back guarantees, some people are worried about also offering that option. And I find that one of the things that you can do, obviously, you can offer a certain window if you want, so that you kind of get people to commit. But there's another thing that you can do if you are looking, obviously, not just to tackle objections, but you're also looking to make sure that people feel that they have a chance to see if something is for them and it's going to be working for them. Always make sure that you have a clear explanation of the conditions through which people can, for example, get their money back if the framework, the product is not working. And usually it requires them to do the work. And I know it sounds really weird, but the difference that it makes when you are actually kind of giving people the option to try something and see if it works for themselves. But you're reminding them that they have to do the work in order for them then to be like, actually, this is not working or giving me the results that I want. It makes everything really transparent and it makes it really clear. And I think that's one of the issues that sometimes we find and the lack of transparency and clarity with some brands or with some products is again, that what feeds our insight buyers. So by actually saying, yes, you can actually get, you know, if you pay for a year, but then, you know, this doesn't work within the first month, you don't save time or this is not working for you, then you can, you know, you can get your money back. But we will ask for the proof that actually you have set up the whole platform that you've done, done this and that. That could be an example. I would always say you have to look at the different policies depending on the size and obviously the type of product. There are some things that actually might not require different type of refunds or different type of money back guarantees. But I'm thinking about this as a big thing that goes... FAQs are great. I love that. You have also kind of potential like, you know, one-to-one conversations and chat. Take it to the next level. If you're looking for something that is a big commitment, you have this option as well to kind of try and 
remove the friction, but always remember, make sure that you give people the right expectations and you ask them at least, obviously, to commit, to try. It's also a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if you noticed because I got so passionate about it because I think it's one of the things that so many entrepreneurs, when they started, and I started nine years ago, almost 10 now, and I experienced that myself. And then you feel like, well, I kind of have to now because I said I would, you know, if the time window is there. And then I realized actually when you explain to people, you can get in touch if you're having issues, but I want to make sure that you actually have put the work in because I put a lot of work into what I'm offering you as well. And it completely changes the narrative. And I think it also makes for a more open conversation with your potential customers. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> it was ace. <laughs> Love it. No, I totally agree. I think for me, definitely, like even as a consumer, transparency is like so important and having those answers quite like having the questions answered before I hit purchase and I know exactly what I'm getting and what I'm getting into. It all like what I realized over the last few years, I think there's like a weird mentality where everything's so disposable. Like you just buy something and that's it. You can just chuck it away if you don't like it within a fraction of a second. It's like, no, because if it's a high ticket, it's a course, it's something that you're obviously putting a lot of money in. As much as that already puts you in a in a point where you are invested, sometimes even people with a lot of money can just willy-nilly just get something and they don't realize that they are committed to doing something. And on the other and the, on, on the other side, there's you working really hard to make things happen, help people and everything. And then you're just confronted with someone that doesn't want to put in the time, even if they put in the money and they just think it's all going to be given without any work. So I think there's also that kind of, you're bound to get at least a couple of people that are going to unfortunately be like that, despite other people totally not being like that. But it's just remembering that you are working really hard. And I feel there's also that thing, as much as a safety net for the consumer, it's also a safety net for you to not have people waste a lot of that precious time that you're putting in. I think I think that's the other thing as well. And, it, and then it snowballs into building better relationships too, especially when you are looking to kind of, you know, talk to your audience about something that you've been creating or maybe something that you've been launching or something you'll be working on. Because then again, it just starts that conversation. And I also feel that, as you say, then having a lot more positive experiences will offset the potential and more often inevitable negative ones that might come from some people that maybe don't don't align with, with your values and who you are. And I think that's another thing for me, being really clear on our values is really important. So that we're like, if somebody actually is being really unkind or is being really, you know, is kind of approaching things in a way that is not the way that even we would approach with them, then we can actually set our boundaries and be like, you know, I find it was really important. I'm always one of treating people with kindness and we are expecting people to do the same. So it's really a relationship building approach. And that's why I keep saying that. And marketing is building relationships and then it kind of taps into sales and it taps into experiences. And then, you know, people then love it. And obviously they resonate and then we'll talk to other people about it and the experience that they had. And I think this is so important. Fun fact, actually talking about this, this is one of the things that we wanted to kind of close on with today, which is a little bit of a lesson and not a lesson that we have learned, but a lesson that one of our friends, Katie Murray, learned. So we're back with one of our marketing lessons. And this time is actually Katie. Katie is a leadership coach, an inclusion facilitator, a mastermind host, and also the author of Changemaker's a woman's guide to stepping up without burning out, which as you can imagine is definitely up my alley. 
And the reason why I wanted to bring her lesson in today is because it's really about this kind of, you know, building relationships and then also talking about this, making sure that you're pacing yourself. Because especially if you're working on said high ticket items or kind of building the trust and potentially is even a launch, so something big, I think that's one of the things is how can we make sure that we show up in the best way ourselves too without burning out before we can even reap the benefits of the hard work. So we're going to listen up to uh, Katie's insights and lesson and then we're going to come back in to just close off today's episode. Hi, I'm Katie Murray. I am a leadership coach and resilience coach and I work with companies to help create more joy-filled and inclusive cultures. I am a mastermind host, I'm an inclusion facilitator and I'm a speaker and author of Changemakers, A Woman's Guide to Stepping Up Without Burning Out. Katie Murray, marketing fail, something that didn't quite go to plan and what I learned from it. When I first started creating online programs and courses, I somehow imagined that I would sell a hundred or maybe even a thousand online programs. And I started with a list of a hundred people. So my expectations were pretty unrealistic and blown out of proportion. And I honestly thought that I was going to break the internet when I first sent that first email and of course it didn't quite work like that and I learned that we need to build connections and we need to build that ongoing relationship with those in our community and we need a a runway and kind of a launch pad for the things that we want to let them know about and I also learned that I need to pace myself in those kind of launches because they're really intense and I need a lot of self-care and actually a lot of support practical support and tech support around me to enable that to happen. Katie Murray, how has this challenge helped me and my marketing for the better? While I now set more realistic targets for what I think is achievable, I stretch myself, but I don't make them particularly unrealistic. And I build in lots of self-care and lots of support when I'm doing any particular launches through my marketing. And I have this concept now that if I'm launching a program, yes, I'm going to have these connection calls. Yes, I'm going to have these posts and these articles and these new things that increase my visibility around that time. And that is all good. It's all beneficial. It's all a build. And I may sell programs or I may sell particular things or people may choose to come into work with me. Whether or not they do, I've had that really great connection. I've been able to build rapport and relationship with somebody. Maybe they choose to do something different in the future with me. Maybe I can serve them in a different way, connect them up with somebody else. Whatever happens, it's all good. And when I have that frame of mind that all of those outcomes are beneficial and all of those outcomes are a build, that really supports me to stay to stay resilient and to stay focused and to stay positive through those pro- those launch processes. Thank you so much, team. As always, I hope that you got excited to learn a bit more about psychology and how our weird and wonderful brains work. As always, we'll be back next week with more wisdom as well from the school. And let us know what you're thinking, not just of our episodes, but also of the new bonus episodes that have been dropping. Our five minute quick fire at the end of week, each week, week, (laughs) at the end of each week with some of the latest marketing news, tidbits and also some of the highlights from the week that just passed it's all for now i want to say thank you so much steph again for being with us today you're welcome and thank you for having me back squeaky squeak everyone and class dismissed thank you so much for listening 
head to allsmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.